Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you're ready to learn. My guest this week is Adam Ashley, who is the co-founder and the president of the Greater Good Initiative, which is a youth-led policy think tank with the mission of promoting youth engagement and mobilization in the policymaking process. I talked with Adam about his work with the organization and about his thoughts on the future of American politics. So, without further ado, let's get started. All right, well, hi, my name is Adam Ashley. I, um, I'm from Northern Virginia in Fairfax County. I'm a first year at the University of Virginia, um, where I haven't declared my major, but I plan on majoring in public policy. And I am the co-founder and president of the Greater Good Initiative, which is a youth-led policy think tank where we write and lobby research-driven policy proposals to legislators at all levels of government. I um, founded GGI back in April with my um, good friend, Tarina. We met at a summer program through the Sorensen Institute for Political Leadership at UVA. And we, we really connected in early on into COVID. We were on a FaceTime call. It was like 3 a.m. And we weren't planning on doing any, uh, coming out of this call with anything crazy, but we, we had this idea of how we can mobilize young people in uh, some sort of COVID-19 response from a policy standpoint, because at that point we'd only seen the HEROES Act and it wasn't, I don't think the left or the right was completely satisfied with what was in there. So we wanted to, you know, push for, for youth voice in policy at this sort of, you know, crazy, I know the word that everyone says is unprecedented and I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing it, but this unprecedented time. And we, we worked to sort of build a team of our friends, our colleagues, people we had met through programs, through school, um, et cetera. And we created this team of people. We kicked it off with a, uh, a town hall where we had public office holders, policy officials, and of course, young people come in and just talk about what's happening with COVID-19. We had young people talk and say, these are the issues that I've seen in my community or with my family or with my friends as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then from there we moved on and we started to write, like I said, our research driven policy proposals. They're about 60 to 80 pages long. Um, and since we kicked off GGI, we now have five sectors of policy. We focus on uh, civil rights, education, economic, uh, environmental and public health policy. And we have over hundred people from across the country working on our policy, our advocacy, and also the strategy and sort of development side of GGI, sort of focusing on the work that we're doing in terms of marketing, in terms of us as a, as a, as a nonprofit, if that makes sense. Definitely. That's an amazing endeavor. And I, I had no idea that the network was so huge. You told me some about the issue areas that GGI works on, but what are your policy interests and what inspired you to get interested in politics in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, like I said, I'm from Northern Virginia. I'm from Fairfax County, which um, a lot of people that are from Virginia or just sort of from the region know that Fairfax County is known for being a very wealthy school district. I went to Falls Church High School, which is uh, one of the lower income schools in our county, one of the lowest income schools, actually. We have 
56% of our student body qualifies for free and reduced rate lunch, and then about a third of our student body are English language learning students. So it's very different of a vibe than I think of what people expect from Northern Virginia schools. And I think that really inspired me because I was in an environment that was very, you know, culturally diverse, ethnically diverse, socioeconomically diverse. And I think that that really drove me to uh, get involved in like leadership positions at my school. You know, when we're running events, we have to make sure, you know, that our events are affordable, that we're, you know, maintaining our budget, but still making sure that everyone that is in our school community could come. So that was sort of where I got started. And then from there, I got involved with the school board and I was the president of Fairfax County Public Schools Student Advisory Council, which is um, student leaders from across the county, about, a, I think, 106 of us. And we all met monthly. And our final project was we made end-of-year recommendations in terms of policy and programming for the superintendent and the uh, FCPS leadership team, which was just so amazing just to be able to speak with adults and them to take you seriously. So that's definitely where I got started. I'm re- very passionate, like I said, about our schools and education policy, and also just ensuring that everyone has, you know, equal access to opportunity. I feel like regardless of if you're on uh, the left or the right, you can sort of, you know, find that it's important for everyone that is, you know, in your community or in your state or in your nation to be able to have access to the resources to help make them succeed. Um, And that looks obviously different once you get into sort of the partisan nitty gritty, but I think generally that's sort of where I found my interest. I'm also very passionate about, my friends like to make fun of me, I'm very passionate about uh, infrastructure and transportation policy, just because growing up in a pretty uh, urban, suburban area, you can definitely see the effects of poor infrastructure funding on our roads and um, just the infrastructure in our community. And so that's another thing that I'm very passionate about. But yeah, like I said, school was really where I got started. And then I sort of uh, started to work on a bunch of different projects. I was also a student representative on my county's, um, one of our school board advisory committees, I worked on adult and community education. So that was basically on all the non-K through 12 aspects of our county. So adult high school, adult ESOL programs. And then, you know, if you, if you want to become a, I'm trying to think, if you want to become a mechanic or um, something like that, you can get that certification through the county. So uh, we were sort of overseeing all those programs and the budget for all those programs. And that was just super interesting to me. It's so interesting. I feel like at the the local, specifically the local level of politics, I think it, it, it gets lost in conversations a lot because it is obviously not as maybe glamorous as like, you know, people working on Capitol Hill or, you know, the president or working in the White House. But I think that local government is so important. And I think it's, it was a real, it was really what kickstarted my interest in politics and policy. And it's just so interesting to see how many different aspects there are that I think are oftentimes sort of ignored or not talked about in like political discussions, because like I said, we're often focused on like the state level or the federal level. Yeah, yeah, I think that is a great point about local government. And you've been working in different levels of politics for some time now. So I'd love to know if you've ever faced any challenges because of your age. Have you ever have you ever felt like it's been hard to voice your opinion as a young person? Yeah, so I actually I talk about this a lot. I feel like I'm a I'm a very privileged person sort of in how I grew up being a white person being um, upper middle class living in a just a, an area that is very liberal. And I think that that has helped me to elevate my voice and obviously leadership positions that I've been in have helped me in my school community or in the county. Um, but my priority was always actually using the, the platform that I have just sort of being a inherently privileged person and using it to elevate the voices of others. 
I think that 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 is really at the core of the work that I do. And that's why I'm so passionate about politics and why I want to be a politician, because there's so, 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 so many people in the world, um, in, in the country and in the, in, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, where I am, or in Fairfax County, that vo their voices are just not heard and they'll never be heard. And so I use, make my focus, you know, elevating the voices of people that I think need to be heard and deserve to be heard. That being said, yes, there's definitely been times where because I'm a young person, because I'm a college student, I think that it's very easy to write off the work that I'm doing or especially the work that GGI is doing. And we were very aware of that when we started GGI because there is not a lot of young people working specifically in like the policy, public policy sphere. And we have gone in uh, in the work that we're doing and just done our best to be very professional, take everything very seriously. And we want to, we want to go into a call with a public official. Um, and a lot of times we do, and they're not expecting anything. I don't really think they know what to expect. And we've had so many that have left calls and then, you know, followed up and been like, we were so impressed with how you guys carried yourselves and the work that you guys are doing. Um, so I think we really need to, you know, as, as we move into this new presidential administration, but also just the world as a whole, I think we really need to shift the conversation and realize now that young people have so much power and so much education. I think that's a big result of social media and people just being more politically aware, politically active, and just passionate in general. But I really hope that we can start to shift the conversation and show that, you know, young people are so, so incredibly powerful. And we've seen it so many times in so many instances. I think back to, you know, my sophomore year of high school, which is when March for Our Lives really kicked off and just how young people really, you know, started a movement. Um, I think of, you know, how many young people I know that were involved in campaigns this past year. And, you know, despite the fact that we're stuck in our houses because of COVID, it was such a, it was such a important year for young people getting involved. So um, I really hope that we're able to, you know, sort of start to push that discussion because it is so important to, you know, take young people seriously and, you know, treat us like we know what we're doing. Definitely. And I think GGI is doing a great job of bringing youth voices to the forefront. So that's, that's awesome. You mentioned the new presidential administration briefly, and I'd love to hear more of your thoughts about the future. Are you hopeful that the Biden administration is going to bring change for America? Are you hopeful about, I guess, the future of American politics in general at this point? Yeah, I I am. I um, am very hopeful with this coming administration just because of how how historical it is, you know. Biden, you know, I recently announced his Justice Department and seeing, you know, women of color leading, you know, helping to lead the Justice Department is, is, is so, again, I hate to say this word, but unprecedented because it's something that we've just never seen before. And it's so amazing that we're transitioning to administration into an administration that you can tell genuinely cares about uh, uplifting the voices of people that are or historically have not been uplifted in the sphere of politics. Um, I'm also really hopeful, like I said, that, you know, more young people are becoming more and more aware every day. And I think, you know, with the craziness that has happened in the past couple of years with politics, I think that young people are starting to realize, like, this isn't an option. You can't just, you know, be silent. You can't not be informed. I think of my younger brother. I don't think he would, he's like the last person I would ever expect to be uh, invested in politics and then you know he'll sit and watch the news with me and ask questions and he, he's he's informed himself so well I think that's also a result of the COVID pandemic because there's just so much information that everyone needs to know but I am uh, yes I'm very hopeful 
I think that um, we are hopefully going to be transitioning into a period where we're straying away from the insane political polarization because that is a that is a big a big thing a big part of DGI and a big part of the work that I do is fostering bipartisanship. Um, I tend to find myself towards the middle, but I have friends from literally all over the political spectrum. And I think it's so important that you're able to foster discourse with people that you don't necessarily agree with on every single thing because you don't wanna end up in one of those echo chambers that is, you know, you're just hearing the same ideas, people agreeing with you over and over again, you agreeing with other people. I love the idea that we can be able to have, we're able to have discussions about politics, about policy, about social issues that are not you know, one-sided. I, I want to hear other people's opinions. And I think that that helps us become a more educated generation so that we can move forward. And when we do ultimately pursue political careers and when we run for public office, we're going into it knowing that we are not going to be, you know, completely divided into Democrats and Republicans. Yes. Okay. I think that is a great point. And I have kind of a follow-up question to that point. I think we've seen a lot of productive conversations and work done by conservatives who aren't Trump supporters and Democrats together in an effort to block Trump's actions in office and then, of course, remove him from that office altogether. Do you think that people will stay engaged in politics even after Trump is gone and there isn't maybe as clear of an enemy for people to rally against or I guess rally for? That is a really good question. I I hope so. And again, I think it comes back to the diversity and the history that the Biden campaign or the Biden administration is uh, bringing into the White House in just a couple of days, because people are going to start seeing, you know, people in power that look like them. And I think that's so exciting for me as a as a gay person, seeing that, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg is in the is in the um, president's cabinet is, is just so amazing to see a gay man in the cabinet. And I think it inspires a lot of people to say, if this person who is like me can do this, then I can too. Um, I hope that people continue to stay engaged, but I do, I do, I do worry a little bit that you know now that we've lost the person that you know everyone seemed to either be you know strongly for or strongly against when you eliminate that person from power, which is what's happening when Trump um, leaves office. There are going to be people that are definitely going to disengage, and it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see people I know that are so passionate about posting on social media about, you know, the election and stuff like that, and then didn't even go out to vote. So I think that we as um, young people just need to continue the work that we're doing in educating people, inspiring people, motivating them to uh, continue to, you know, get involved in politics and policy in activism. There's so many amazing opportunities to, you know, use your voice or, um, elevate your voice or elevate the voices of others. And I really hope that we can continue to do that for the next four years. Yeah, definitely. So that last part of your answer is the perfect segue to this last question I want to ask you. So there's been so much going on in the past couple of months, including the events at the Capitol on January 6th, which of course no one can forget about. And I think there are a lot of people who want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world as a response what advice would you most want to share with these young people who may not know where or maybe how to get started with making that change? 
Yeah, well, for starters, um, the events of the six were it was it was an insane day. I remember having so much stuff on my calendar to do. And my friends and I, we were all just texting each other because we were watching the C-SPAN coverage of the Senate hearing when we saw, you know, people come into the Capitol. And that was that was so scary. And I understand it. It is it, it, what has happened in the past few days is so frightening and just there's there's really I don't think there's the right words to explain what a lot of people are feeling so I completely understand yeah people feeling hopeless people feeling lost people unsure of where to start but I would say use that use whatever frustration you have use whatever concern you have and put that into whatever work you want to do I recommend you know if you have an idea for uh, an organization or something you're passionate about that you want to get involved in, go for it and run with it. I think back when to when we started the Greater Good Initiative back in April, and we really had no idea what we were doing. We had a couple legislators that we reached out to and sort of pitched the idea to, and they were interested in it. We had a couple mentors that we reached out to, and they were interested in it. But we went into this really not knowing what we were going to do, and it's been a learning process. And I think that's something that uh, we all need to understand is when you're entering these spheres of politics and policy. Like I said, there's not a lot of young people because if you look at who our elected officials officials are, they're all older than us. But if you can uh, go into it knowing that you're going to be learning a lot and taking everything in, I think that you're going to be able to you know, be successful in what you're doing in terms of politics and policy. I think it's, um, it's definitely a learning process. And it's, it's been so amazing for GGI to see people that came in that had no experience writing policy, which is most people who have gotten involved in GGI, because like I said, not many opportunities available. People had no experience writing policy, helping to create these amazing research-driven policy proposals or having phenomenal calls with legislators where they can sit down and outline the work that we're doing, what our policy is. It's a, it's a uncomfortable experience in the sense that it's something that a lot of us have never done before. But if you go into it ready to learn, eager to, you know, put your best foot forward, I feel confident that you can, you know, effectively make change. I loved talking with Adam. And I think I need to have him as a guest again so we can talk about Biden further into his term. My takeaway from my conversation with Adam, though, was just how important it is to keep learning. In whatever situation you're in, whether it's writing policy for the first time, like Adam mentioned, or maybe going to a protest, go into that situation not only expecting to learn, but excited to learn. Adam is always trying to listen to others and learn from their experiences because he recognizes that change comes when you're ready to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and you can follow Adam on Instagram at Adam D. Ashley and you can check out the Greater Good Initiative at the Greater Good Initiative on Instagram and their website is linked in the description of this episode. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then... Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.